Talk to my friend Drew. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As diehard conservative. I'm to this guy for wisdom. Boy, doesn't this song just make you feel good? The feel-good song of our era, Fire and Rain, by James Taylor. You know, when I listen to that song, even if if I'm in a burning building, no matter my woes, if I'm hit by a, a car in the street, broken limbs, well, that song just wipes it all away, makes it all okay, takes the pain away. Let's just listen to some more, shall we? Oh, yes, yes. Now you you know what it feels like to be Joe Biden and the Democrats on the South Lawn of the White House. Just picture it, because this is how they spent their Tuesday. Joe Biden hosted a celebration of the Inflation Reduction Act. And James Taylor was so kind, so excited, so supportive of this Biden administration and all the good they've done. The 13 dead Americans in Afghanistan killed under Joe Biden's botched withdrawal. All the Americans murdered in the cities throughout America, in Chicago, black children dead because of Democratic Party policies. Rampant inflation that is crippling American households throughout this country. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Just makes you feel good. Just makes you feel good. Almost like none of that's happened. But uh, anyway, that that's 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 what uh, one of the songs, of course, that he played on the South Lawn of the White House as he showed up. You know, it's interesting, you know, between uh, sets here, between songs, apparently James Taylor, he was praising this bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. Do you know what he was praising the bill for, right? The Inflation Reduction Act. Well, he was so proud that this bill is combating climate change. What a sham. What a sham. And, you know, I mean, th- this is pure propaganda. Um, The... Inflation numbers came in, and, well, it's worse than it was in July. It's worse than it was in July. But the the media, the Democratic Party, one and the same, look, we are experiencing the type of propaganda that, that, that perpetuated in Nazi Germany. I kid you not, we are in a recession right now, but you don't read about it because the Biden administration simply says we're not in a recession. Here's a perfect example. A headline from the esteemed NBC news organization, right? News. Well, the headline reads, inflation fell slightly to 8.3% in August as pain from higher prices lingers. You get that? So inflation fell. Fell to 8.3% in August. And if you just read just beneath the headline, the subheadline, it says, compared to July, inflation rose 
by 0.1% last month. There's a very bizarre thing happening with the propagandist media. Uh, they lie to you, but then some, somewhere buried right in front of your face, usually, is the truth. So they have a headline. that I mean, this just exposes them as abject fools and liars. Inflation fell slightly to 8.3% in August. Compared to July, inflation rose by 0.1%. What they're doing, though, is kind of intentional because there is no reality in this sense. They can say inflation fell. They can say inflation rose. They have complete control of the narrative. So they report both things. Well, he murdered the man, but he also did not murder the man. So you're frozen. There's confusion in action. What are you supposed to do? But of course, they also say this, uh, you know, we have inflation as pain from higher prices lingers. It's not lingering. It just got worse. This is how deceptive they are. But, you know, their audience, look, you know, we'll have some humor here in a minute, but but I just, I mean, people, I don't know. I, I just, I, I guess I just, I mean, I can't understand it because the Democratic Party is a religion to Democrats, right? I mean, they will believe anything. They will, uh, you know, look, Trump and the Republicans are so evil that the ends justifies the means. So they will forgive anything. They will be lied to. It does not matter. The Democratic Party can get away with anything at once because in the minds of their most loyal cult members, who cares? Who cares? Because the Democratic Party, it's their God. And who are they to question their God? They are mindless nincompoops. Anyway, we'll talk about the gas prices and things like that in a second. But, you know, this is just so perfect for the Biden administration, isn't it? And the state of the Democratic Party today. Uh, They put on a propaganda display. So inflation is worse than it was in July. We're in a recession. And the Democrats, Joe Biden, his administration, they have a concert. They have James Taylor show up and play music and tell everyone that's, that, that, to signal and show that everything's great. They're sell- you know what this is like? This is like uh, planning, uh, let's say, your 20th wedding anniversary for your spouse. And you invite a bunch of folks ahead of time to attend. And before this happens, you cheat on her. You've been cheating on her, but she finds out and she divorces you. But you don't cancel the big celebration. You invite your friends anyway, and you have an anniversary celebration, even though you just got caught cheating on your wife and she left you. That's what the Democrats just did today. So 8.3% inflation in August. We're all feeling it. We're in a recession. Inflation rose over the previous month. And they wheel out an ancient, decrepit James Taylor who should be ashamed of himself because, of course, you know, he used to represent something else, right? He was kind of the counterculture, but, of course, now these people are the the elites. You know, they're like uh, black slave owners. You know this, right? During the antebellum era, there were black blacks who owned slaves, right? They got off the plantation themselves. They were successful, and they would just go along with, with, uh, with whatever the other white slave owners wanted because they wanted to keep a piece of their plantation. They, they liked being master. 
And that's James Taylor and all these Democrats. That's their goal and their intention all along. We'll get to the Patagonia owner in a second, the guy who founded that company. He's going to give his fortune away. He's going to give away the company because he believes capitalism is evil. Well, he just became a billionaire because of capitalism, but he wants to deprive us of the same opportunities. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's worse than this. You know, the S&P 500 suffered its worst losses this year on the same day that Biden throws this celebration of the Inflation Reduction Act. And look, that's all gone. It's baloney. It's baloney. I mean, no one's acknowledging uh, that this is actually addressing inflation. It was just disguised because there is an inflation problem and who can oppose in a, a bill that says it's going to reduce inflation. But the, the contents of the bill had nothing to do with inflation. They're going to exacerbate inflation. They increase spending more billions, hundreds of billions of dollars spent. And all to bring about this uh, radical transformation of our, of our economy, right? You too can have an electric car. Well, you won't have another option. And you too won't have any access to electricity to power. You'll have a car. You'll have a car, but you just won't be able to go anywhere because there won't be electricity for you. And all based on this lie, this hoax, that the carbon dioxide that we exhale is responsible for hurricanes, tornadoes, flooding, hot weather, cold weather, anything and everything. But the Dow Jones, it suffered its worst losses since June of 2020. So is this an indication the Inflation Reduction Act's gone well? So, you know, a month after the Inflation Act Reduction Act was passed, well, inflation uh, is up. It's worsened, and it's only going to continue to worsen. But these, these propagandists are throwing a party on the South Lawn of the White House listening to James Taylor's, uh, whatever it's called. Unbelievable. All right, so I got an update on the uh, Trump-Russia collusion. I'm, I'm sure you've heard it. Everyone's been all over this, but I'm going to make this uh, seemingly complex issue very, very simple. More simple than you've heard anywhere else. All right. So we've learned that the FBI, um, let, me, let me put it this way, and then we'll get into the meat of this and I'll explain it. But, but this latest revelation about Danchenko, right? Danchenko is the individual who was the source of the information in the Steele dossier. So Christopher Steele, who was paid to put this dossier together that was supposed to tie Trump to stealing the 2016 election via his ties to the Kremlin in Russia in Moscow, well, Danchenko is the one that provided him the information. And what you'll learn from this is that the FBI were not unwilling, unwitting participants in the Trump-Russia collusion coup. They were actively and willingly engaged in the coup, so much so that they hid information from Congress and from the Trump administration that would have proven that the Mueller investigation, Trump-Russia collusion, none of it ever happened, that it was based on a lie, and so they hid that so that this two-year witch hunt could continue. Now look, the FBI knew in January of 2017 that the Steele dossier was fabricated. They knew it back in, 20, in, in January of 2017. 
And now remember, one of the more memorable, salacious allegations in this Trump dossier, Steele dossier, was that Trump had a bunch of Russian hookers pee on the bed of his hotel room. It was the Ritz-Carlton in Moscow. Trump had stayed there, and apparently while he was there, he hated Obama so much that he stayed in the suite that Obama had previously stayed in, and he hired a bunch of hookers to pee on the bed that Obama had once slept in. And there was a tape of this behavior. Now, you know, this was such a joke from the beginning. Of course, the media took this seriously and put it out there. But, you know, everyone knows it's not new that Trump is a germaphobe. I mean, he's he's borderline Bob from the movie What About Bob? I'm kidding. I mean, he's not quite that... Um, what's the word? G- germaphobic. He's not to that level. You know, Bob would wipe down the the doorknobs as he left and entered his own apartment complex. But it's well known that Trump is a very, very clean person. Hygiene is important to him. He, he's the kind of guy, he'll shake your hand and then turn around, pull out the Purell and, and clean his hands off. He's the kind of guy who, uh, who washes his hands before he uses the urinal and after. And by the way, to the men listening out there, that is actually a good SOP, a good standard operating procedure. Because your hands have been all over the place, right, before you approach the urinal. They've been exposed to all sorts of things that you're exposing, you know, something else to when you when you when you approach the urinal. So it is actually very very intelligent. It's it's a clean, smart thing to do to clean your hands before you you use the urinal and afterwards. Trump's a smart guy. I'm sure he does that too. So anyway, January of 2017, the FBI knew the allegations in the Steele dossier were not true. But in May, the Mueller investigation went forward. So everyone knew, including the FBI, in January of 2017, that the Steele dossier was fake, that there was nothing true about it, and that was the basis of all of the investigations into Trump. So they knew Trump-Russia collusion was made up, but they investigated Trump for it anyway. But the FBI made sure that that could happen. Now, in March of 2017, right, so two months, right, January 2017, the FBI knew the allegations weren't true. And then a couple months later in March of 2017, before the Mueller investigation began, Danchenko, the source, right, the person who told Steele that he had learned and corroborated that Trump had uh, gotten the hookers to do the PP tape thing in the Ritz-Carlton in Moscow, Well, Danchenko, he was given confidential human source status by the FBI. CHS status for short. Confidential human source status. What does that mean? I'll tell you in a second. So get this. So Danchenko had lied to the FBI, right? He was the primary source of that Christopher Steele dossier. He was already discredited. He'd already lied to the FBI. The FBI knew none of it was true. He was a willing participant in a coup. And what does the FBI do in response? They gave Danchenko CHS status, confidential human source status, which gave Danchenko special protection and privileges. It made him a ghost. They protected him. So, for example, under this CHS status, the FBI was able to conceal his disclosures, 
right? The conversations between him and the FBI. That means they they hid his lies. Um, they concealed it all from the congress- congressional investigation by Republicans that was going on, right? Remember, Devin Nunes and Cash Patel very early on smelled something was wrong. They knew that Trump-Russia collusion was a hoax, but they didn't understand the origins. They didn't understand exactly what was going on, but they knew something nefarious was afoot. And so they spearheaded this congressional investigation to get to the bottom of it. And so, you know, uh, with this CHS status, Freedom of Information Act requests, right, FOIA requests, they could be denied information related to Danchenko. So anything related to Danchenko, think of it as like classified, right? The kind of stuff that, uh, you know, if Trump had at Mar-a-Lago, uh, they could behead him over. So anyway, they were able to conceal Danchenko's identity completely. And Danchenko's admission, because this is what happened, Danchenko told the FBI that he, he, he came clean. He said it was all untrue, right? I mean, the PP tape thing, for example, the origins of that story, I mean, it's such a joke. I mean, it's something from a Monty Python skit or sketch. Danchenko was in Moscow. He was on a business meeting at the Ritz-Carlton. He didn't even stay the night there. And he claimed that while he was at the hotel for a few hours, he heard talk that, you know, Trump had stayed there. And he dug deeper and found a source at the Ritz-Carlton around him that could corroborate, tell him that he, in fact, had also been aware. There was actually even a tape of Donald Trump with the prostitutes peeing on the tape. But Danchenko was like, uh, you know, writing a, uh, a novel. He was inspired in this hotel. He heard, he, he thought, oh, ooh, wow, up in the suite, this could have happened. You know, anyway, he made it up. And, and, and he, the person that he said he talked to that was his source is going to testify against Danchenko soon, saying that he never even talked to Danchenko. He doesn't even know Danchenko. So look, if, if this information had gotten out about Danchenko and the FBI's involvement, it would have invalidated not only the Mueller investigation, not only would it have prevented this two-year witch hunt from going on into Trump-Russia collusion, it would have invalidated the FISA warrants against Trump advisor Carter Page. Remember, they investigated and, perse- and persecuted Trump's allies because of the Steele dossier. That was their rationale, their justification. Because of that, they said there was legitimate reason to believe Trump had stolen the 2016 election. So this justified their warrants, etc. But it was all based on a lie. And this is, by the way, precisely what they're doing right now with the seizure of Trump's documents at Mar-a-Lago. And so even after the FBI knew the Steele dossier was fabricated, the FBI continued to use the Steele dossier to apply for FISA warrants to investigate Trump's associates. And so Nunes, when he smelled the rat, he ratcheted up his investigation into Trump-Russia collusion to figure out what the Democrats had done and what they were up to. But he never learned about Danchenko because the FBI made Danchenko a ghost. And everyone knew Danchenko was a joke. 
you know, the FBI was claiming that their information came from this Russian source that was very credible with access to all these Kremlin insiders. But Danchenko was a was a Beltway Democrat operative. He had at one point for several years been employed by the leftist Brookings Institution, you know, a left wing think tank. But it's worse than that. The FBI, the FBI was paying Danchenko and they paid him until October of 2020. So. Danchenko was working for the FBI. Danchenko lied to the FBI. The FBI paid Danchenko. Made him a ghost. So the FBI was in on this. So I don't want to hear anything else about, oh, you know, all the good people at the FBI. It's just the top. No, 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 no. No, no, no. The FBI is thoroughly corrupt. They they must be rebuilt whatever, they need to be erased and then we can decide what we want to do because at this point the FBI has no benefit to the American people they don't catch I mean look, they don't do what they're supposed to do time after time all the mass shooters just slip through their fingertips and all their resources, all their personnel well they're just being used as the modern day KKK to intimidate and bully political opposition, to carry out coup attempts, to do the bidding of the Democratic Party. They're the brown shirts. They're the SS equivalent. SS stormtroopers, right, of the Nazi Party. They're the muscle that are part of the bureaucracy. So we're paying them to destroy our country. And the FBI paid Danchenko all the way up until October of 2020. So the FBI led the coup. The FBI hid all of this from Congress, the DOJ, from everyone inside the Trump administration so that this coup could go on. This could not have happened without the FBI. Do you know how the left is covering the story, though? You know, the left, this is the thing, right? They don't know anything that I'm talking about. They just live in ignorance. Because they listen to propagandists. Now, the left-wing media is covering this, but the, but this is how the, the media... They, like, okay, so what, what's the big takeaway that you just got from what I said, right? Well, the FBI paid Danchenko, who made up the stories that served as the, as the basis of the investigation into Trump-Russia collusion. And after they learned, quote-unquote, that Danchenko had lied about the Steele dossier, well, they then made him a ghost and prevented anyone from ever learning what they already knew, which was that Trump-Russia collusion was a Democrat-funded hoax. That's the takeaway. Corruption. But uh, the left is just saying that we just learned that the PP tape isn't real. That that's the that's the uh, sum total of of what the left is reporting on. Up, oh, while well, this Danchenko stuff, you know, well, it's just there wasn't any golden showers. Sorry, there's no tape, guys. You won't be able to watch Trump with the hookers peeing on the bed. Unbelievable, isn't it? <clears throat> All right. Man, boy, oh boy. Tough day, tough day. 
All right, so let's talk about these gas prices that are going down. They are, aren't they? They have come down. Well, get ready for immense pain uh, to pay after them. This is a midterm gimmick of the Democratic Party to claim that, uh, you know, look, they're helping you. They're bringing down gas prices. Now, they still aren't below what they were when Biden came into office, but they've come down from the high uh, that they uh, arrived at, you know, nearly $5 a gallon nationwide. Well, this is how they did it. Uh, Over 180 million barrels have been released by Biden from the Strategic Petroleum Reserves. Uh, He just recently announced the release of another 8.4 million barrels. And so the reserves presently contain around 420 million barrels. That's the lowest level since 1984. Now, there were about 640 million barrels. I I don't know if I've said, you know, mixed up my M's and my B's, my millions and billions, but it's millions, okay? 640 million barrels before Biden started depleting it. So we're down to about 420 million barrels. Um, And look, he's been releasing 1 million barrels a day, and occasionally he'll come in and release 8.4 million at a time. But, you know, if Biden simply continues with this release of uh, 1 million barrels a day, uh, how long is it going to take for there to be nothing left? I mean, let's think about this. It's September 14th today. I mean, 15th maybe when you're listening to this because I'm having to do this podcast in the evening late at night. Um, but we got about 40 days to midterms, right? So that's 45 million more barrels depleted. That'll bring the res- reserves down to 375 million. We've got, uh, you know, 365 days in a year. So by next December, 2023, there will be no oil left to deplete from the strategic petroleum reserves. There will be no barrels available to short-term artificially lower gas prices by injecting this oil into the market. There won't be any supply left. And Biden already went and begged the Saudis. They told him to shut up. He was an idiot. Uh, You're going to be paying 10, maybe even 20 bucks a gallon for gas down the road. You know, if there is gas left. Uh, that's not an exaggeration. Gas was five bucks national average before Biden started using this strategy. And this is about optics, about the midterms. But, you know, there are people out there that will buy this. They won't understand the very simple explanation that is objective, that is truthful as to why this is happening. And so will they, too, ignore the consequences that this is going to uh, foist on the American people as a result of this brazen irresponsibility. But, you know, that's what the Democrats are, the party of irresponsibility. They preach irresponsibility to their voter base, and they act irresponsibly themselves. Tim Ryan, um, he was uh, on MSNBC with Joe Scarborough, and he said, we've got to kill and confront that movement, the MAGA movement he's talking about. We've got to kill and confront that movement, But working with normal mainstream Republicans, that's going to be really, really important. 
Um, you know, they want to determine what the Republican Party is. And what they want is a party of Liz Cheney's, which is to say a party that does what the Democratic Party says. You know, here's what they want in an ideal world. I mean, they don't want elections. They want one party rule. But one means of of, of achieving that goal in the interim before they can absolutely totally eradicate two parties and just have one Democratic Party is to make every Republican in the Republican Party a Democrat just named as a Republican. But Tim, Tim Ryan, I mean, he's running for the U.S. Senate as a Democrat in Ohio against the Republican J.D. Vance. And he said this on national television. Now, I understand some of you are thinking, well, what I'm thinking, MSNBC doesn't have really a national audience. I mean, they got 10 people to listen to it, but it's been reported on, so now everyone knows about it. But can you imagine if uh, Trump said something like that? We've got to kill and confront the leftist movement in this country inciting an insurrection, violence. Democrats talk about this routinely. They use the words kill, pay the price, and um, nobody says a word. They get away with it. But this is how they talk, and, and look, they, they don't mind if there's violence. In fact, they want there to be violence against us. That's what the FBI is doing right now. Raiding, you know, 20, 30, however many homes it was of of uh, Trump associates recently. They want to create a culture of violence against Republicans like me to silence us. They want to they, they want to make us the scapegoats of society. They are doing what Hitler did to the Jews. That is not hyperbole. No, we're not being sent into concentration camps right now. But the fascism behind it is exactly the same. They, ha- they are creating a foil, inventing one. It's not real what they're saying we are, but they're creating a foil to make themselves look magnan- magnanimous. The Republicans are evil and vile, and so they can justify any, any rotten, vile, amoral, violent behavior, speech, treatment of the other. Us versus them, right? You know, how genocides are born. Um, you know, one other story I wanted to get to here, um, <clears throat> this will probably be the last one for today before I get, before I, uh, sign out. So a, a Patagonia owner, his name's, uh, Yvonne Chouinard. Well, he's, he's gonna, you know, give away his company, Patagonia. He's setting up a couple of trusts that are going to fund the climate agenda. And, and a bunch of, uh, young morons uh, and leftists are celebrating this man. He's a hero. He's so generous. He's so generous. Now, this guy's a billionaire, and um, he's now going to be funding uh, a movement that is going to destroy the liberty of the people that are cheering him on. In fact, Yvonne Chouinard, the the 80-something-year-old founder of Patagonia who's going to you know give his company away, well, he wants to get rid of capitalism. That's right. His efforts are aimed at, uh, you know, pushing the climate agenda, which is communism. So here's a man who became a billionaire because of capitalism. It was good enough for him, but he wants to destroy the system that he benefited from. He wants to prevent us from having opportunity. And he wants to replace it with what? A system in which a bunch of already rich billionaires who are in the club that are Democrats, well, they get to 
dictate to us what we can have, how we live our lives, where we go, what we can eat, etc. And by the way, I got a note from uh, Chef Andrew Gruel to earlier today. And many of you may already know this, but coming from him, it was a little bit striking, but I thought I would pass it on to you. Food shortages are already here, of course, but they're rapidly approaching next year. This is a guy who, uh, well-known, very successful, owns uh, many restaurants. And he's saying that um, the, uh, well, get ready for food shortages. Next year, after the midterms, that's scary. Can you have you ever heard of such a thing in America that we have to worry about shortages of this and that? The most prosperous nation in human history, but of course we do have ample everything. But the Democratic Party has intentionally sabotaged it all. But people out there celebrating this Patagonia guy are truly imbeciles. Imbeciles. Um, well, I was just looking at something here. You know what? I I, I want to say this real quick. I'm working on a new book. Uh, I'm hoping to finish it before the end of the year. And it's uh, it's it's called at the moment why I'm not a Democrat. And and my my intention behind this book. Uh, is, of course, explaining why I'm not a Democrat. Uh, But I'm hoping to get through to many of those people who are starting to wake up who haven't heard the truth. And one of the um, chapters I'm working on right now, it's, it's called The Big Switch That Never Was. And that's true of everything about the Democratic Party. You know, the, the, the big lie is that circa 1964, when... Democrat President Lyndon B. Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act of 1964 into law. Well, suddenly that was the moment that the Democratic Party abandoned the KKK and became the de facto civil rights party, the party of blacks. And the Republican Party somehow miraculously abandoned their entire history, which was anti-slavery, pro-black, and decided to become a bunch of racists. But it never happened. It never happened. You know, LBJ, they just got smart. They got smart. You know, um, LBJ even said it himself, you know. He was worried that that if, if Republicans were permitted to get another win, and that is, you know, be heralded as the champions of civil rights that they actually were, well, the, the, the Democrats were going to commit political suicide. So he didn't sign it into law because he wanted to give blacks their rights. He signed it into law because he didn't want blacks to support Republicans. He wanted to rewrite history. And he's alleged to have said, and whether he said this or not, act, you know, act, act, you know, if he actually said this or not, uh, well, there are other things he said that would that basically said the same thing. But before we signed that that Civil Rights Act of 1964 into law, he said, "I'll have those in word voting Democrat for the next 200 years," and it worked. It worked. They have been uh, voting Democrat, and and of course they've got nothing but more poverty and. Um, well, I mean, this is my point. You know, the Democrats never abandon their ideology. They they still are the totalitarians that they've always been. And they're still racist. They're still racist. 
I mean, look, you know, Republicans elected a House member and a Senate member, black, both black men, uh, to, well, to the House and the Senate back in the 1800s. We're not trying to prove we're not racist. You know, the Democrats didn't elect a black man into Congress until, I think, 1934. And they're the ones that every time they elect or nominate someone that's black, you know, they want you to know about it. They want you to know about it. And that's the irony, you know. The Democrats preach that uh, America is a horrible racist place, but they say it without condemning themselves because they're the ones responsible for it. And I think the Republicans made a big mistake after the end of the Civil War. You know, after the Nazis were defeated in World War II, denazification ensued, right? So the Allied forces, well, they led an effort to rid Germany and Austria of the Nazi ideology, get it out of society, the culture, the, the press. And they taught, you know, that, that that ideology should be condemned. They banned the Nazi party. Now, now think about the Civil War for us. You know, the, the, the Democrats, the Confederates, they wanted slavery. And, you know, the Union, the, the Republicans, <clears throat> fought to prevent that, to abolish it. And we beat the Democrats, the Confederates, but we did not go about ridding America as best we could of the Democratic Party ideology. See, look, we... We may have defeated the Democratic Party, right? In the sense of, look, we, we beat the Confederates. But we didn't destroy the Democratic Party ideology. We didn't ban, disband, outlaw the Democratic Party that was responsible for it like they did in Nazi Germany. You know, we shook hands, we hugged. We so hoped that they would change their ways. But they didn't. Ten years after the Civil War, the Democrats were shouting Tilden or war if their Democrat candidate didn't win the presidency. They were threatening war ten years after the Civil War. They spent the next hundred years using the KKK to threaten and intimidate blacks. You know, the Jim Crow law. They spent the next hundred years trying to segregate blacks and keep them segregated from society. And then suddenly, miraculously, in 1964, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We love blacks all of a sudden. But it's the plantation, and that's what they want for us. That's what this climate agenda is going to achieve and everything else. And, you know, it's interesting. You listen to the—you can read what these, you know, pro-slavery advocates were saying, and they, they actually likened— um, what they were doing to blacks as a form of communism. <clears throat> because they believed that blacks were too stupid, too incapable of making it on their own. So they actually celebrated themselves and pointed, pointed to slavery as, a, as proof that the slave owners and Democrats were actually wonderful people, protecting blacks from having to compete in that unfair world beyond. They provided for the slaves in sickness and health. This is what they said. This is what they said. And that's what the Democrats are telling blacks today, other Americans, when they pass this stuff. It's the same thing. LBJ did this. LB, LBJ inherited 
a wonderful economy, really. I mean, Kennedy was assassinated. Kennedy wanted to pass these massive tax cuts. And LBJ did sign that into law in 1964. But right after he did it, um, he signed, you know, he, he advocated for the Great Society. Right? He, he established Medicare and Medicaid, all these social welfare programs. And as a result, um, well, blacks never escaped the plantation again. They became dependent upon the Democratic Party. It destroyed uh, the nuclear family. Uncle Sam, the Democratic Party, the welfare, replaced the man of the household. They didn't have any need for him. He didn't have any responsibility because they'd get a check from the government instead. Uh, he took over the public school and, and even private school education system in many capacities. And what has that resulted in? The highest illiteracy rates in the country, blacks. The slave owner, they didn't want blacks to be able to read. It was illegal. It was unlawful. It was a violation of the law for blacks to learn to read. Knowledge is power. They didn't want the slaves to be empowered. Same thing with blacks today. This is why Barack Obama and other Democrats oppose school choice. The voucher system. And it's a, there is a form of segregation in the schools today, if you think about it. Because you go to a public school based on where your parents can afford to live. And so there's inherent segregation. And, you know, this voucher program that's proposed and it's been done successfully, even in D.C. for a while, well, it's kind of the modern-day emancipation proclamation. It's about integration. But, of course, Joe Biden, the Democrats, they opposed integration. They didn't want to bus blacks to white schools and vice versa because, you know, Biden said he didn't want his kids to grow up in a, in a, a jungle, a racial jungle. And so this is where all this stuff leads with the Democratic Party. It just creates dependence, dependency upon them. And that's what they want. All right, this is Drew Allen. God bless you all. And until next time.